This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Gross and I'm joined this week by Mr. Greg Meisner. Hello, Greg. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How's it going? Um, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I've been, I've been making chili all day, so, uh, it's like you pour some beer in the chili and then drink some beer and then pour some beer in the chili and drink some beer. That's been me all day. How, how was not Road Atlanta, unfortunately? How? Um, you know, honestly, so my, my brother got married this weekend. That's why I wasn't at road Atlanta for the, uh, season finale. Fair enough reason. But I got to hand it to him. It was the best wedding I've ever been to. That's good. I mean, I, I do not enjoy weddings no. whatsoever. And I had a fucking blast. That's good. So congratulations to David and Caitlin yeah. on getting married. That was a fantastic fucking wedding. There you go. Um, also joining us. As always now, is Mr. J.D. Daniel. Hello, J.D. Howdy, howdy. Good to see you guys again. Did you go to a wedding? I did not, and I am thankful for that. Have you spent the whole day making chili? Absolutely not. No, that makes two of us. That's a shame. Only one of us has chili. I I spent the whole evening being stuck in traffic because people know how to drive. Ah. Oh, wow. Well, I am chili, so I mean, that's close, but... Anyway, it's like yeah, almost you, freezing where you it's are, right? Fucking not, cold. Not appetizing. Oh, that kind of chilly. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, there wouldn't be any flavor or heat or anything. Um, probably boiled. Can you boil a chili? I don't know. We'll try it. Um, I mean, you bring it to boiling yeah. and then yeah. lower Just the let heat it and let it No, we wouldn't lower it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is it still got flavor? Keep fucking going. Um, <laughs> later in the show, we're going to be talking about NASCAR in Las Vegas, as well as a couple of other bits of um, Formula One related news. But before that, in our first part of the show, we need to talk about the finale to the 2023 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Petit Le Mans. Now, if you does it go on, does it feel like it's been a full season? Uh, I mean, we've so we finished out the indycar season already but that doesn't feel as significant as finishing out the imsa season i think this is the first year for a long time because you know i've mentioned several times that i'm quite new to enjoying endurance sports car racing and and you know this year has been so good in the most part that this is the first year that i am noticeably very sad now that it's over um but however all of the the excitement from the year for a lot of people i feel might have been sapped 
a little bit by by this race. Um, if you've if you've seen the name of this episode, I, we have to give credit because it's heavily heavily inspired, i.e., modified so that we could have it on a title on Spotify. As as because Turner Motorsport called this uh, Patila shit show, um, <laughs> which is just why did first off. Why did they call it that? Um, <laughs> yeah. And second off, it. I mean, I, I I know your feelings about the race and how everything ended, but from my point of view, I thought it was a pretty decent way to end the season. I mean, on on the most part, the race was good. Like, the, like there were a lot of cautions. I think that's the thing. Like, not just talking about the thing at the end that we will get onto. I, a lot of the opening portion of the race was dominated by a lot of messy incidents i think i think they said they had 30 penalties issued within the first what four hours jesus um, like the driving standards the driving standards haven't been great in him so this year anyway let's be honest but this one felt like the 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 one that was the most uh what's the word i'm looking for shit showy um that's fair there's lots of fluoride going around the racetrack this weekend Um, in the p2 and p3 class yeah um qualifying was was interesting as it was kind of wet dry uh louis delatraz put conica minolta on the gtp pole with um ben keating taking matthewson motorsport to the top in lmp2 andretti taking the lmp3 pole for their last WeatherTech sports car race thank fuck uh, the Vassar Sullivan 14 took the GTD pole with the 27 Heart of Racing on the AM pole. And then, like I said, for the, for much of the opening stages of the race, it was very stop-start. The, the, when we had racing, it was pretty good, I feel. Um, but there were a lot of stops due to a lot of collisions. I think most notably, one of the, one of the early collisions involved the, uh, the six Porsche, uh, the Penske Porsche, as they came down towards the chicane and LMP2, I think it was the 20, um we kind of misjudged lapping a gt uh, of some description i don't remember if it was d or or, or uh, pro or am um and that kind of set off a chain reaction which collected a lot of cars and sent them out to the outside barrier mercifully everybody was okay but that was the sixes race essentially done they came back out and had another incident but you know that that kind of summed it up a little bit the driving standards but then things really came to a head and i think this is the the you know the the main certainly the main talking point from the race in the closing stages where you had the 31 Whelan engineering Cadillac uh, leading the race with the 10 Konica Minolta Acura um, trying to pass it. And this was after the sun had set. It was right into the closing stages of the race. Was it in the last hour or was it just on? Yeah, it was, yeah, just, it was about. just before the last hour. Yeah. Um, and of course, these are the two people that were mainly fighting for the championship at this point. Porsche were a little bit too far behind. Mayor Shank Racing still had their Daytona penalty, which was kind of keeping them out of things. Um, so yeah, this was essentially for the championship, really. Um, and what ended up transpiring was the 10 Konica Minolta would go to the outside of the 31 into turn one. The 31 um, and the 10 would make contact. We'll get into whether we think there was blame on that in a second. Uh, the contact made the Acura... Uh, go wide uh, as soon as you got on the grass you're not saving it at that high speed of a corner went into the barrier out of the race therefore out of the championship whilst the 31 didn't end up winning the race that would go to Mayashank Racing who we will talk about in a moment um, 
the 31 would end up winning the championship as a result of the Konica Minolta's crash. Um, so, you know, let's just dive straight into it. What did we think of that collision? Um, it was ultimately ruled no further action. Should there have been? You must always leave it to space. <laughs> right. I mean, again, I did turn, turn one at road Atlanta is, uh, tough to say the least, even with the most downforce available, right? Like, uh, I, in iRacing, I often find myself leaning on that curb on the left side, uh, even under the best of, you know, circumstances. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, it 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 could go either way, but just kind of rough. Yeah, I, like you said, turn one at Road Atlanta is extremely difficult under the best of circumstances, just trying to judge that apex. But at the same time, like you said, you, we are fans of old school racing, generally speaking, where drivers respect each other's track space. So even if you both dive into the corner side by side, you both need to have this the mutual respect to make sure you both end up exiting the corner on the racetrack instead of doing an F1 style car on the inside just eases the guy off the track. Um, that being said, I, I've spoken to other people about this and they said, well, why would you try to make a pass around the outside of turn one at Road Atlanta? That's just suicide because it's just the nature of the corner <laughs> and, and like in the sim, like I would, I'd never do that. I'd back out of that 10 times out of 10, but at the same time, like you kind of expected them both to make it through the corner. Cause they were legitimately fully side by side. Durrani knew Albert Kirk was there and he just eased him off, right off. Why they body slammed a little bit. And, you know, that was the end of the, uh, the Wayne Taylor's cars championship run, but it, it, it's very difficult. Cause I talked to some people like, why would you want to lift? You know, he's on the inside. Why would he lift? But it's to preserve, you know, both their races at that point. But then again, like we said repeatedly, this F1 style of driving your car and making it your corner has, has just gone through everybody. And it, it's just frustrating to see. Especially when earlier in the race they were um, they they were penalizing what seemed like everybody. Like you said, they had forty penalties throughout the whole race for driving standards, and then right at the last hour when it kind of mattered most, it was a no further action thing. So it was kind of disappointing and confusing. So I I don't know. It, it's a really tough one. Like initially during the race, I was furious, saying how could they not give a penalty for that. But I don't know. It's it's just tough. I, I I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I think for me that the problem was is that I I'd like to watch it again because I admittedly I haven't watched it again since race day. Um, for me it seemed like the contact happened really early in the in the in the corner. It wasn't late in the corner. It wasn't at the point where you would naturally wash out. For me, it didn't look like Durrani turned in for the corner like he knew that the 10 was there and just decided to not turn in um hence what like i the curb that you run up against on the exit wasn't even in sight at that point so yeah. you know it, it's one thing you know I, i've heard a lot of people say that once you start committing to a corner in a in a, that kind of high speed if there's someone on your outside you know you can't turn more 
However, it felt like at that point he hadn't turned at all. Um, and and I, you know, I think I think JD, you're right to mention the the Formula One aspect of this. It feels like more and more as the years go on, more and more series start adopting this. Why would you go to the outside mentality? Like I, I've spoken to to people who do racing and have said, you know, from a young age, you're you're kind of told if you're on the outside, you're vulnerable. And I get that because, yeah, like if the car below you makes a mistake, naturally momentum takes you out there. So in a sense, yeah, you're vulnerable. But also it comes down to racing room. Like uh, as I was saying in another chat somewhere, I don't remember where, you know, you, you only have to look back seven, eight years ago to when Formula One still had an aspect of racing room. Actually, it's probably more like 10 now because time is a horrible social construct. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like that whilst it stayed a thing in Formula One, more and more other series are starting to have the same thing. IndyCar this year has been plagued by a number of incidents like that. Pato Award at Long Beach with Scott Dixon. Um, m- multiple series do the same thing now where, where you don't really, you're not expected to leave room for the car on the outside. When I thought until very recently, racing room was an, a fundamental fact of racing. If a car is alongside you, you're battling them. They, they deserve room. Um, I, I, it, it's single-handedly my least favorite thing about motorsport right now as a whole. Just, just the fact that no one seems to, to leave space anymore. Um, Greg, you started off by saying all the time you had to leave it a space that the classic Alonso quote, you know, um, several other drivers said the same thing. Connor De Filippi, the BMW driver said the same thing. Scott McLaughlin said the same thing in his usually brilliant way of articulating himself. I, I I just feel like it's such a shame that what has been by and large a really good championship came down to and was ultimately decided by that kind of contact. Now, whether Durrani intended to do it or not, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's uncharacteristic for him. Um, but yeah. it, either either way, whether it's intended or not, whether whether he meant to do it, whether whether it's right or wrong, it's just a shame it ended like that in what has been a really good season but one that has been marred by several strange decisions and moments you know you you think back to daytona and mayor shank not being stripped of their win but being stripped of the points you know that irked a lot of people there's been several other instances you know like that they're, they're, they're ongoing tire yeah canadian tire the um uh which race was it that was decided uh basically the same way with um um you're on about the uh, Cadillac at the end, aren't you? Yeah. But then there was yeah. also one of the races that weekend was decided by um, a driver just being sent at the final corner. I think it was one of the support races. So there's there's two in one weekend. Um, yeah. Y- you know, you've got the ongoing thing that we keep talking about of cautions not being thrown when there's a pit cycle going on. You know. Yeah. Uh, the, what what because myself and you jenny we watched the race and and we were quite exasperated by the end of it we were just really disappointed that a season ended you know in that kind of way i think what what's different from us criticizing imsa to how we criticize formula one is that we don't have hope for formula one we kind of we kind of expect it from formula one whereas imsa you know has traditionally been a lot better in in multiple Mm. aspects so there's a lot of things that, that that were a bit iffy this year, but equally, it's all stuff that can easily be remedied. And I, I do have confidence that IMSA will will continue to improve. But 
you know, ag- again, this isn't a new thing. You know, we, we you look back to Daytona when the, when the Konica Minolta and the was it the Wheeland Engineering car then? Yeah, uh, for for the win in 2017, I think it was. You know, and that was ruled no no penalty. So, I mean, if they're consistent about it, then maybe it's okay. But I don't know. I I just looked back at the incident and uh, the 10 car is even slightly ahead entering turn one. Durrani knew he was there and he decided to just not leave enough space. They door slammed, you know, early part of the exit and then just went and slammed the wall with Albuquerque getting out gingerly. So I I definitely put that on Durrani. Like he, he can't use the excuse that he wasn't aware that he was there and that he, didn't know he needed to leave enough room. It's pretty plain as day as someone who's not a professional race car driver. You know, he should have left room. Does that mean he had to lift a little bit? Yeah, maybe so. You know, and I know they're paid to not lift, but they're also paid to not wreck their race cars and stuff like that. And if he had gotten a penalty, then that's his own fault. I still think he should have gotten penalized for just watching that again. Like, you know the situation you're going into. You know that you're both compromising each other's corners. That's just racing. You pass other people by compromising their lines, but you do it in a safe way by not just shoving people off the track. That's where it goes from sport. You have rules you know, and courtesy and regulations that you follow versus just pure entertainment and mortal combat where you're just shoving people off the track with no regard for anyone else. So that was disappointing in the sporting aspect for me. It's very dramatic. The drama is real. You know, I I disagree with the stewards' call, but again, I'm not involved in it. But I to your other point, we're so, we're so hard on IMSA. Like I'm wearing an IMSA hat. I love IMSA. It's the best sports car racing series on the planet right now. I know WEC occasionally has a good race, but IMSA for the past five years has been a better product than WEC or any other multi-class championship. I enjoy watching IMSA races just because there is this heightened level of aggression. Um, they were talking on the broadcast about how uh, the race stewards want to have drivers settle their own differences, you know, have drivers figure it out. But the problem with racing drivers is that you have to protect racing drivers from themselves because you put them out there in shopping carts, you know, in a baseball helmet, they'll go out there and kill each other for a win. You know, the rules and regulations and driving standards are there to protect the drivers from themselves and to make it be a fair sporting event. If you, put it in their hands you're going into just pure entertainment and blood sport i know that's a little harsh and i'm exaggerating but i mean i mean only kind of if you saw the in in car footage from the conica minolta car the driver was like kind of moaning in agony afterward like he was having trouble getting his breath and i mean you could tell by the his body motions and everything he was fucking hurt that was a slam into that he went wall. to the hospital thankfully he was okay but like still like this is why you have, you have race stewards and officials you have to protect the drivers from themselves and maintain the sporting integrity of the actual driving you know it doesn't matter if it's last hour for the championship you need to make sure people are following the standards that you have set because thank goodness he didn't get seriously injured otherwise the upper would be even more voluminous it's just yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, so, and, and other than that, it was a great season of GTP. Yeah, and, and you mentioned there about you know it doesn't matter when the incident happened. This was another thing that was discovered, at least on the IMSA radio broadcast, was that perhaps they didn't penalize it because of when it happened, 
and and the circumstances of and that and that's another thing that whilst I don't know whether that's what they did or and why they went into that decision that's a a, a theory that I wholeheartedly uh, disagree with if it's put into practice in my mind in an era of motorsport where we're constantly talking about consistency it doesn't matter what championship it seems they're quite inconsistent when it comes to penalties of any description in in my mind you have a rule book and the rule book doesn't go into on this lap if someone does this it's this penalty however on this lap it's someone the the same rules should be enforced at every corner of every lap of every race the same there shouldn't be context should not matter it's it's something that happened again to bring up the bastard child formula one um you know recently there was this kind of shift where they start bringing in context to to an incident you know they they look at what was the result of rather than the incident itself and that's wrong in my mind an incident is an incident you know contact with somebody in a corner is the same and should be punished the same no matter what happened before after during whatever you know all the matters is the incident so like I said, I, I don't, we don't know why IMSA didn't take a penalty for that. Um, but, you know, they used the example of Daytona 2017 and apparently the driver, the, the, one of the stewards at the time said, we didn't give a penalty because if you leave that gap open on the final lap of the Daytona 24, then you're basically asking for it. I couldn't disagree more um, with, with that ethos. So, yeah, just enforce the rules the same. My God. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's not and that's not saying like oh he sh- if he leaves the gap he deserves to be punted out of the way. It just means you know you're free to make the move and just don't hit the guy and knock him out of the way. You're still going to race. Not saying oh if you're just in line just follow him back to the start finish line. Still want people to race. Yeah, but do it in a measured, controlled, and aggressive way. Just you know don't go full kamehameha on people into corners. <laughs> Yeah, it it was a shame. It really was a shame for the championship to end that way. Um, because yeah, in 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 broad strokes, this year has been a massive improvement, at least in the GTP class, and and I would say in the different in the other classes as well. But I think on the whole, the year has been really good for GTP. It's just yeah, a shame it ended like that. Um, as a result of that contact. Um, and the subsequent caution, uh, Mayashank Racing were able to assume the lead and uh, would go on to take the win. Ironically, in their last race, for the moment, in IMSA, as as we said on last week's show, they're going to be taking a pause for their sports car program, which is code for we couldn't find anyone to race with us because Akira took our second car to uh, Konica Minolta. Um, you know... Uh, it, it, they managed to win one of the biggest endurance races, so there was already the emotion behind that. Um, there was also then the added emotion of it being their final race. So there, there, there were a lot of um, uh, there was a lot of emotion between the Mayor Shank Racing guys, and I wanted to pick up a couple of interesting quotes from them. So um, Mayor Shank Racing, uh, you know, Tom Blomqvist said, "Good things happen to good people." Um, uh, Mayor said, "This team has been through so much crap this year." I think. You know, it's an interesting outlook because ultimately, you know, it, it's it's very likely that the reason that Acura didn't choose to remain with them is because of what they did at Daytona. And let's call what Mayor Shank Racing did at Daytona what it is, cheating. Like, you know, there's no way to spin it into a mistake. 
There's no way to spin it into a, a miscalculation or anything like that. They they cheated with the tire pressures, and they got to keep that win. So you know, I would I would be hesitant to say that the team has been through so much crap when it was arguably self induced. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm sure you know. I, I don't want to pick up too much on Tom Blomqvist's comment about good things happening, good people, because there's plenty of people at Mayorshank Racing who obviously had nothing to do with the Daytona penalty and the subsequent loss of the drive. Um, you know, w- whilst I do find it chaotically ironic that Mayor Shank Racing won their last race before Acura dumped them, I think it's also worth just bringing that into perspective with the fact that they cheated. <laughs> I mean, even they called it that. Yeah. Right? Like, they were like, hey, our guy did this. That was against the rules. We got rid of him. And, you know... I mean, they got to keep their watches. And the win. And, and the win, right? So, like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's a bittersweet end yeah. to, uh, to the way that, you know, the way that things kind of panned out for the season. And I will agree. It's, it's with what you said earlier. Uh, this season for GTP um, has been a hell of a season. Mm. Every manufacturer got a win, right? Yeah. At at some point, you know, I mean, and there there's been uh it, it hasn't been completely obvious throughout the entire season who was going to win the championship. No, no. There were definitely points where or or parts during the year where it could have been anybody except for BMW. Well, um, even then they were right near the title hunt toward the end, which was astonishing when you think of how the season started. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, I, I, it's been it's been good, and I think the next two years for GTP are going to be even better with the introduction of several new manufacturers for IMSA. Uh, I yeah, I can't wait. We're uh, ninety five days as of the recording here from the roar before the twenty four. That's 95 days too long. Let's just agree know, to not right? count that down anymore in any other episode because it's just going to make it go so much longer. I, I'm going <laughs> to write it on my whiteboard right now. Please. Um, <laughs> yeah, ni- 95 days, I think, to uh, That's not that long. being back a day. I know, right? Considering there's 365 of them yeah. in a year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, uh, it, it it's... It's kind of crazy to think about when you think about other other sports and how long the season goes uh, and how, how long it is between the beginning and starts of the season. Uh, I mean, we started in mid-January and here we are mid-October and the season is just now finishing. Yeah. So uh, it won't take that long to get there yeah and we've still got other series to tide us over and then formula e's pre-season testing starts in a couple of weeks before they kick off right at the beginning of january so it'll fly by um we should probably talk about the other classes um (laughs) lmp2 um was won by the i've completely lost it because it's disappeared off my screen now that's fantastic i love it when it does that uh pr1 matheson won the championship as crowdstrike won the race I believe CrowdStrike also won the Mission and Endurance Cup as well. Um, yeah, I don't know what that does because they. I think the main kind of thing uh, they, here was the Le Mans entry. The, 
Yeah, that's what it gets them. It's yeah. the automatic Lamar entry. But then Ben Keating was going to be able to find a way onto that grid, and no matter what, because it's Ben Keating. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> get, you know, um, PR1 Matheson coming back to win was in itself an, ach- an achievement, considering almost every LMP2, it seemed at some point, had something go wrong. Like, yeah. Again, testament to we the. Saw the ben, go on. We saw Ben Keating make a mistake. Yeah. When does what that is happen? happening <laughs> with the world? He had a 15 second lead. He spun and still retained the lead, which is just ridiculous. You know, I'm sure he will find a, a seat in Lamar, but he really wanted to do it with his wind, a winds engineering guy. I think it's their engineering. Yeah. I don't remember. Just the brand. Um, but yeah, the P2s are always just so much fun. And it was, it's always a good race with them, except for the number 20, which went full <laughs> dentist mode for the whole first half of the race. Yeah, they were involved in quite a lot, not just that pileup with the Porsche. There, there were several times where it was seen leaving the scene of the crime. Um, yes, it looked like I was driving. How like, many times <laughs> it was spun on track, you know, and stopped in awkward places. And everyone's just screaming, please don't rejoin at 90 degrees. Please get the car rolling through the gravel <laughs> trap. Like, please don't. You know, so then when that driver finally had their drive time completed, everyone breathed a heavy sigh of relief, like, oh, thank goodness it's over. Uh, not not to pick on the one driver. Oh, I don't yeah, know who yeah. they are. Um, but it, it was just comical. And then, you know, we'll get onto LMP3s. Like, LMP3s got a little envious, like, hey, this P2 is getting all the TV time and uh, showing us up. We'll show you how to LMP3. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll mention <laughs> LMP3 now, actually, yeah, because obviously it's the final time for now that they're going to be in the top class you know I, i'll never say never because like a bad odor it's got a way of coming back but um in their final race uh it was the, i mean the championship was already decided 74 uh Riley motorsports car has been insane all year um however it was the uh junior three racing uh that ended up um taking the win uh for gris dakota dickerson and bjoy garg uh, which was their first victory in WeatherTech, apparently. Um, and their last, because they're not going to be in it. But, you know, no time like the present. Um, you know, I, I would say, on on the whole, it was the LMP2s that did the lion's share of the dentistry, as you said. So, I mean, it, you know, at least they managed to go out with a... I was going to say an uncharacteristic performance, but one of them spun on the formation lap. So, I mean, you know... <laughs> speaking of p2 again poor scotty mac oh he has yeah. the worst luck you know his his co-driver spins it on the outlap and then wrecks it on lap two he's like i didn't even get to drive the car you know we're just going to go out for a test session with tower which is an uncharacteristic season for that group and really sucks for him um but yeah i mean the going back to the p3s i mean they were dropping those wedges behind their car every which way it was funny to see wisconsin wants their uh, cheeses back anyway <laughs> <laughs> um moving on to the gt races uh gtd pro was won by WeatherTech racing uh with danny and kadejo's going on a maro engel you know what at the start of the year i'd said about how amazing that lineup is and it is amazing but the fact that they didn't really win that many races this year um kind of you know proves the season that other cars have had you know I mean, IMSA also bopped the crap out of yeah, the Mercedes true. because of that lineup. Yeah. It was 
something fierce. Kind of deserved. I mean, when you bring that three other lineup, it feels oh. like you're taking the piss a bit. <laughs> you have to give them the power cut and all the weight. They'll still make a weight. They'll still find a way. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, they ended the final race day of the year on on the top step of the podium with Faf Motorsports's um, Backler, Pile, and Estre. Uh, second for Porsche in their last race with Porsche before going to McLaren. It still doesn't seem correct <laughs> yeah or, or orange plaid mclaren oh, please don't wish, don't manifest that or, into existence or, or maybe it'll be like hunter safety orange mclaren <laughs> oh god um i'm i'm excited to see what they're gonna oh do yeah same i thing. just oh, hope it's not plaid you know, <laughs> the only problem is that they have to get they have to sell all of their plaid merch now oh, before it's obsolete i'm sure people are buying it up for like oh it's a collector's item now but like they got a big following. It's a lot of Porsche stuff. Porsche is temporary. Plaid is forever. I mean, yeah, they, <laughs> if they can't sell it, just give it to a department store in Canada and sell it as normal clothing and it'll go. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got two fast stickers on the back of my seat right now. You know, plaid, the impaler is going to live on oh, in yes. eternity. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, final spot on the GTD pro podium was Risi Competizione's Ferrari. Um, you'll notice the absence of a certain Lexus that won the championship already and has been quick all the time. Uh, the 14 had a bit of a, um, a moment, um, at the S's. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm like, whew. try to hide your excitement. How come your desk is moving without your hands? Anyway, oh, oh. God. Um, I, you know what, before you go any further, I will tell you that there is a member of Vassar Sullivan that does listen to the show cool so <laughs> they have the best sounding gt3 <laughs> they do they do they do, they do. I, I i was saying i was saying with regards to because i normally my slander goes toward the yellow ferrari the corvette you know and, and the, you know the lexa sounds more like a corvette than the corvette does so i mean we'll give them that you know but um no it was um i think it was ben barnico at the wheel of the car um had a uh, just a i don't think there was contact in the end i think it was just a big whib um, coming over that crest at turn three and then that sent them into an advertising board on the inside of the track and that wrote the fucking i don't know whether that was the board or that it dug in it dug in I, for sure they tore the front yeah. splitter off the yeah, car i, I was mean, about Lexus. to say what was that board made <laughs> vibranium of? The of that car fucking exploded when it hit I mean, that thing but it, it did dig in you saw the camera yeah. was covered in mud and shit so but man uh, that, but yeah that lexus lawn mowing service I, I mean at least they did it after they won the championship i mean they did it the right way around so yeah know, credit to yeah. them on that but um yeah they, they've well, had they, a great they only had to st- they only had to start the race to win the championship, right? I think didn't they win like it. Just, just take. Oh no, no, no! You're right. They did. Yeah, it was the other they, one, the um, the uh, GTD BMW that had won it ages before. Um, but no, like you know, I I I take the piss, but the, they have had a really really great season, and you know, it, it's nice to see um the variety in GT racing, where a car that you wouldn't traditionally associate with the right body shape of GT cars has uh, is competitive enough to win this championship in such a competitive championship you know beating that fucking bullshit lineup for um weathertech racing you know you it's testament to to the balance that's the oldest gt3 car in the field the lexus is like they're from what 2016 2017 that makes sense no everything else is brand freaking new i mean had the evo uh, mercedes come in last year 
you know, the brand new Porsche this year, they're racing a GTLM Corvette, you know, like, and the brand new Ferrari this year, like, those are all brand new cars with gobs of downforce, the BMW M4 as well, like, and they're doing it with a car, you know, at least in my limited experience on ACC, the least amount of downforce, the shortest wheelbase, and the oldest chassis. They've rocked it, and it's good to see, like you said, someone else other than a well-known name win. You know, and like props to Vassar Sullivan for keeping the investment up in the program, and you know, this result is fantastic from a sporting point of view. It that car does look kind of out of place on the grid when you compare it to you know all the things that are in the class with it. Um, it it kind of reminds me of the Alfa Romeo in the TCR class, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it it does not look like it should be there, but to take something like that and win a championship win it, it with it, it's it's got to say a lot about the team, right? Yeah. Like the the team has to be doing something right. The driver lineup has to be doing something right, and so uh, for all that to kind of come to fruition by the end, even though you did total your car, I don't know if it's totaled, but. Uh, you know, exploding the front off of your car and winning a championship the in the same it. day. That's pretty fucking cool. One slightly used Lexus, one owner driven only on Saturdays. <laughs> Love much. I know what I have. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's again, good for the team. And then, and I think a couple years, they're going to get a brand new Lexus GT3, which is being tested in Japan right now. And oh boy. Oh, you mean the Japanese I've Mercedes? Seen... Yeah. <laughs> That's the it one that looked, the videos have been going around, right? Yeah, it looks yeah. and sounds sounds like so a monster. Beautiful. I love it. Um, GTD, um, the championship had already been won. I, I think not even it before, uh, like not even at Indianapolis, like the race before. I think they sealed that one. Um, uh, that was Paul Miller racing. Uh, they didn't have a good race this time. They finished down in forty sixth, not running. I don't remember the incident that took them out, but. Yeah, they they had an incident uh, going over the crest in the penultimate corner, and just I think they got hit off track and hit the tire barriers right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, like Lexus, you know, better to do it now. Um, the win itself in GTD would go to the seventy-eight um, Lamborghini, the forty racing of uh, Goikberg, Spinelli, and Liddy, um, with uh, the ninety-six Turner Motorsport of Gallagher, Foley, and Dinan. Uh, taking second ahead of the Wright Motorsports Porsche in third. Um, again, it was kind of, you know, one of my main criticisms of this championship is that it's been a little bit hard to follow the GT battles because of how much they're focused on GTP. But as we've also said before, it's a good problem to have um, when the top class is is banging like it is. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to the Lambos in uh, how much speed they had in this round because they've been kind of nowhere throughout the whole season. Shout out to Dorian Pin. She was flying at the oh, start of the race. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, she she was fantastic in that opening stint. Uh, as, as you said, um, you know, to, to, to move up and take the lead um, as they did and, to, and to, to go as well as she was going, you know, she was entrusted with finishing the car as well. That whole team has come on leaps and bounds this year, you know, not just in, in IMSA, but in WEC, you know, we routinely saw them fighting the Corvettes for the champ, uh, the championship um, in, in WEC. That team continues to be so important for proving every naysayer wrong with regards to women in motorsport. So I, I'm, I'm so, so 
happy that they are doing what we all know and believe that they should be able to do um how do you shut people up you go win you go win and yeah and whilst yep. the, whilst the end of the race didn't match the start for them just you know they they've this year in particular over the last few years they've started you know making more and more of a name for themselves but this has been the year that they have really emerged as you know oh they're not just that women team they are a team the same as every other team and they will win when they are given the opportunity and they can win and they will so yeah sally mcnulty with uh Daily motorsports running the tcr in uh, michelin pilot had a great interview on uh on imsa radio during their weekend and uh, you know like she was saying women are everywhere in motorsport you know it, it's sad that they have to prove themselves but they are from top to bottom everywhere in motorsport they may not be drivers in formula one or in indycar well i'm not even going to say not in indycar because we had uh we had a woman at the daytona 500 this year mm-hmm. and it wasn't even her first go at it you know so uh yeah it it for them to go out and have so much success not only in imsa but also in WIC, uh i th- i think it's important it, it's it's important for them to get it done and they're fucking doing it so they're getting them. hot at the right time with lamborghini about to give them the G- their gtp as well for the whole team like they're oh are they're they getting kick the some gtp butt. Well, uh, 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 Iron Links. Iron Links. Iron Links. The names aren't, but you know there is this continuing theory that there might end up being a customer-ish Iron Dames GTP in a couple of years. Again, that's not substantiated well, by anything official, but why not? Like, <laughs> have the the have the Iron Dames been outperforming Iron Links? They have a couple year? of times. I don't. I can't remember who finished where in the championship but i mean there's been multiple occasions where they have beaten them and you know it's, i'd yeah. say it's been fairly even from what i can remember yeah and they are getting prototype experience as well running p2s and WEC and being very competitive yeah, and, as and well dorian so. Pan has been racing for prema this year in in lmp2 and has been doing a really good job you know alongside daniel kvyat and um i can't remember who the third driver of that car was um might have been Bertolotti. I think it drawing a blank. Uh, but either way, you know, two two very established driver. You know, Danny Kvyat, former F one driver and uh, uh, and uh, podium finisher. So you know, to, for Dorian to be up uh, like alongside them and and not looking out of place, you know, it it's a testament. You know, we we shouldn't be. We should get to a point where we don't. The women don't have to prove themselves, and they they should be treated as every other racing driver and. It's weird. It's weird to be having this conversation in, in twenty twenty fucking Yeah, exactly. Yeah and, yeah, and yeah. Hopefully, teams like Iron Dames will will continue to prove why we don't need to talk like that anymore. Um. So yeah, great, great. Um, that kind of does it for the main WeatherTech series. You mentioned about the Mission and Pilot Challenge, so we'll move on to that because, I mean, at least the two series were consistent in having controversial finishes. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a a race that was dominated um by the McLaren of action uh, um of motorsports in action, the number sixty nine, and they ultimately ended up taking the first win for the Artura, um, despite there being a bit of a downpour in the closing stages, they managed to hold on. But the the real drama was for the championship, 
again, like in WeatherTech. Um, it looked as though um, Rebel Rock Racing in the uh, Camaro were on course to take the championship. However, Turner Motorsports ended up taking it due to some interesting circumstances. So and there was there was a strange situation already where two cars that were finishing between um, the, the Camaro and the BMW uh, had a late race penalty due to not... To, was it due to uh, pitting under yellow? Or I not pitting? believe... No, no, no. I believe it was not serving drive That was it. Penalties. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so they ended up getting post-race penalties, which then obviously moved the BMW closer toward the Camaro. And then you had the real aggressive one where it looked as though, allegedly, that loan... This, this is all... This is all a, a legend, right? I, I we can't say something happened. Whether or not this is exactly what happened, or the way or why it happened. Welcome to the speculation zone, brought to you by Into the Paddock. <laughs> <Jesus Christ>. But <laughs> it, so yeah, you explain. Yeah, you explain. But, but yeah, okay. So it it looked as though the uh, Lone Star Racing Mercedes pulled out of the race during the late caution to again move the BMW up further to the Camaro, giving them an extra... They So BMW, the Turner Motorsports BMW ended up taking the championship by 10 points because of the two penalties for not serving drive-through penalties, right? So Lone Star Racing would have known that those are coming up, right? And them and this all stems from an alleged i'm going to say this again an alleged relationship between members of lone star racing and members of turner motorsport i'm not going to speculate on who or how or why or what uh those relationships have come into play but they're speculating they being rebel rock and several other people are speculating that because of that relationship and them knowing that those drive-through penalties were not being served before the end of the race, they knew that if they pulled off, it was going to move Turner Motorsports up and give them the opportunity to take the championship. It makes sense. The way it's being explained and being talked about is it, it's it, plausible. It, it's plausible that that was a thing that took place, whether or not that's exactly why it took place is still remain to be seen. Um, I do know that uh, Rebel Rock Racing is filing an appeal, right? And that has been all but confirmed, I so guess. Sports so this Car is coming from Sports Car 365. Yeah, they said that Rebel Rock yeah. hasn't commented, but Sports Car 365 has verified that the appeal is happening through other sources. And I tend to trust Sports Car 365. So. Yeah, uh, they're, they're a reputable source. So... Um. Oh, the drama! <laughs> right <laughs> at the end of the Michelin pilot season. Um, I. So so let's ask this question: If the appeal goes through, what would be the outcome of the appeal? Right? Would it be? Because I I don't see them being able to change championship points i don't see them being able to go to lone star 
at this point and pull data to see whether or not that they had a mechanical malfunction that forced them to pull off of the race. And either way, it, because I, the two are completely separate entities, it's not as if it's a team car. So you can't disqualify the whole team based on on a, on a uh, fix. The actions of another. Exactly. So all they could do is right. disqualify the Lone Star Racing car, and it's behind everyone, so that wouldn't change anything anyway. So I think we're in this, hor- yeah, this horrible yeah. gray zone where there's not really anything that can happen. I th- I think the only thing they could IMSA could really do to Lone Star at this point, since it is after the season, is give them a monetary fine for a, some sporting infraction, race manipulation, what have you, and then also put them on probation for next year, uh, you know, beginning of next year if they're participating or not. And now that's assuming that they're guilty. If if, 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 if IMSA finds them guilty of all this speculation, um, and if not, then yeah, nothing will happen. But yeah. You know, definitely put everybody on notice. Like, hey, I'm sure Emerson will be like, hey, don't f this up, don't do this time kind of stuff in the future. And and Jordan and I were talking before the start of the show. Um, I I'm gonna have to go back and peruse the rule book again, uh, and maybe give it a, a a third and fourth glance. But I don't know whether or not there's a rule forcing you to stay in the race yeah because there's other championships that have rules regarding you must be at full commitment the whole time or 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 fully competing um yeah you you know you shouldn't be dilly-dallying or 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 sandbagging in any way i don't know whether there is a rule that would would catch what lone star racing in this so yeah i mean it's worth having a look obviously that's what the appeal is going to go into if there isn't a yeah. rule like that, then perhaps the outcome of this might be that there is one. Um, but Could it's be. one of those horrible it's situations that you good. can't really expect, you can't plan for until it happens, and then you've kind of got to react to it. You know, it, so, I, so I kind of expect they'd copy pasta the NASCAR sporting regulations at least, since it is a NASCAR entity. They is, know right. they know that teams would pull this kind of stuff, you know. But again, this isn't a coordinated effort. From what it seems, is just hey, that's my buddy's team. I'm going to help them out. Allegedly, again, allegedly. allegedly. Let's fully state that I we I don't I, uh, I. This is this is coming as a culmination of me reading this article and then uh, several Facebook posts from other people and and several other things. So I I don't want to fully state that yes, this is what happened. There is a relationship there. There is you know the the, the reason you know blah 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 all, yeah, all, but, all those things. But this. C- this, and, this kind of stuff isn't unheard of in racing, though. I'm not. It's not. Not even. Not even from a malicious point of view. Just like, hey, I know yeah. this guy's fighting for a championship, and he's coming up on me. I'll just wave him by. That's effectively the same thing, you know. That happens. Like we know that. Um, when the, that shit yeah, was waves, waves Vettel yeah, in, by, in Brazil in 2012. You know? Yeah, and people aren't calling for for his head weren't calling for his head at the time. I don't know, they you were. Know, <laughs> but, I, I mean, yeah, that was also that was also during during the race, right? And yeah. So, but this and, was this was not under green flag that this happened. This happened under yellow, right? Which is which is I think the big talking point here, right? And I think one of the big reasons why Rebel Rock is going for this appeal. Because if it does go their way, I can see with it being under yellow, they just plucking that Lone Star car, 
and putting it back where they would have finished because the race ended under yellow, right? It it ended there. But so also- there was no there was no green flag running between when that happened and when the race ended you know what i'm so saying they could, they could yeah. count back you know we've seen other championships before that where they have the ability to end a race and then count back a couple laps you know usually it's under red flags or something like that so i mean they, they could yeah. do that so, i don't know whether they but will but because you then yeah, have all the other teams that then finished ahead of that car that wouldn't have then protesting that they've now missed out on a position that they didn't do anything wrong to gain yeah, it could be a complete I, shit show. This is all just like me, yeah. me reaching for something that yeah. could possibly happen, you know, b- b- again, maybe. And, so, and because because that'd be such a cluster, that's why I think they would resort to monetary penalties instead and probation for the team instead of... But they have to know that if... if it, I, I feel like they have to know if, if, they, if they apply this penalty and there was... Th- all of this fuckery going on, it's not going to be Lone Star that's going to pay the penalty. Turner's going to turn around and be like, "All right, we got you, buds. Thank you for the win on the championship. <laughs> let, let me pay your let me pay your speeding ticket." Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Again, this is not. I we I don't know if this is actually what had happened yeah. or what is going to happen and all that. But anyway, all that to say. There is a bit of drama surrounding the end of the Michelin Pilot Championship, which, in all account, by all accounts, was actually a good race, and the championship was actually a good run throughout the entire it was. season. So it was. Hats off to uh, everybody taking part in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. I'm not biased because I worked there. Well, but, and also to um, <laughs> talk of your or of any bias that we may or may not have, um, big congrats to uh, Core for finishing fourth in that race after starting. Like twenty, like well down, like and Luca got up yeah. to like in the top four very quickly. So yeah, they did a fucking fantastic job this weekend. Um, we should yeah. also mention that on the podium behind the motorsports in action, McLaren was the Nola Sport Porsche and the RS1 Porsche, and then it was the Core uh, Mustang. So woohoo! Um, we also <laughs> had um, mercifully the TCR race was much less controversial. That race was ended up um, after the um, Audi the. Oh, what's the um completely forgetting the Audi that was in championship condition. Uh the JDC Miller Motorsports Audi that was in championship uh, competition ended up um retiring relatively early due to an issue, thus basically guaranteeing it for the 33 Brian Herter Autosport uh Hyundai. And they managed to come come through to win. Uh no, not win in TCR. They managed to get third in TCR, and that would claim the championship for Robert Wickens and Gottsacker. Um Obviously, a lot of this is a lot of the attention of this is going to surround Robert Wickens, um, and yeah. and that's absolutely just because to come back from the injuries he sustained at Pocono to win this championship, you know, whilst racing with the fucking hand controls, that's the, it, completely badass. It is also important to to always mention Gottsacker because it's equally a championship for the pair of them. But nevertheless, and the, fantastic. the team as well. Yeah, of course. Um, let's not forget to mention this. This is the fifth straight mm. TCR championship for Brian Hurt Autosport. Yeah, mad, and they cannot get penalized any further. Uh, talking with Robert Wickens at Daytona, you know, I got a chance to sit down with him with like, with a couple of other members of Operation Motorsport and we, we got to sit down and talk for like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes about his car. Their ride height is 
way jacked up higher than anybody else. You can see I think it. they have six I think they have sixty kilograms of extra weight in their fucking floorboard. Like you you and they and the reason they haven't added any extra weight is because they're at the maximum of weight that uh the crash test will allow. They haven't crash tested the car with <laughs> more weight than that, so they can't give them any more weight. <laughs> That's how you know you're on on some kind like, of form. Like they can't do any yes, more to your car. Absolutely. <laughs> and and to 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 give them even further credit, I guess specifically to Robert Wickens, that hand control system that he's using is not perfect. Mm. They're still like learning more and more about it and the way it operates and him having to relearn you know using hands versus feet for everything uh they are just fucking killing it over there i mean from from top to bottom the whole team congratulations guys yeah re- re- i'm so so happy for them to, uh, for for them to have won the championship um the race itself would be won by their teammate in the 98 with wilkins and felipe um, with uh, Van der Stur Racing's Hyundai taking second and the LA Honda World Honda finishing third with uh, Wickens in fourth. Um, yeah, at least one of the championships that was decided at Road Atlanta was done so in uh, uncontroversial <laughs> circumstances because yeah. otherwise this whole show would be talking about uh, Petit Le Mans. Um, we'll obviously keep up to date and with any anything that comes from the the appeal with Rebel Rock Racing. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, whilst the IMSA season has ended, we'll keep updating with any other IMSA news. Um, um, before we before we move on from TCR, uh, I do have to give a shout out again to Sally McRothy mm-hmm. uh, and Jacob Diley of Diley Racing. They finished eighth this weekend, and it has been an uphill battle all season. It's their best finished all weekend. Uh, for them to come home eighth, uh, fucking fantastic, guys! Congratulations, good job. It's been especially awesome watching. The, yeah, yeah the TCR field whole classes is is Just insane. Stacked. So, uh, good job to them. Um, we also had a before we end this half. Um, we had a couple of other bits of IMSA related news that came out in the run up to Petilama. Uh, the first was IMSA unveiling the full forty eight car full season entry list for next year. Um, obviously, we won't go through the whole list now because, again, we've spoken quite a lot about IMSA already. But uh, to, to look at GTP, you know, um, the Iron Lynx Lamborghini, it's not going to be racing at Daytona, but it's expected to be making its debut at Sebring and only competing in the Michelin Endurance Cup races. It's the same 10 cars uh, for the, that competed at Petit Le Mans that will make up the full season next year. Uh, we don't know full driver lineups yet, but that's going to be um, Porsche Penske, Wayne Taylor, uh, both with two cars each. Uh, BMW with two cars. Uh, Cadillac uh, with the number one, the 31 Cadillac by Wheelan Engineering. The two privateer Porsches of JDC Miller and Proton. And then, and then we get Lamborghinis for some of the races next year as well. I did see one hilarious tweet that was saying, like, imagine what's going to happen when Roman Grosjean and Pipo Durrani start racing against each other. Um, Ooh. <laughs> so I can't wait. This next, the next two years for GTP is, is going to be so spicy. We're oh. stepping into the new golden era of sports car racing i'm just gonna say it. oh yeah yeah i'm fucking at me i don't give a shit fight me i you know what this is i think yeah we had to give a special thank you for this golden era sports car racing so i want to say um 
Thank you, F1, for introducing a cost cap so these manufacturers can go spend money in sports car racing. Yep. And hopefully and, these rumors uh, about Audi reconsidering its Formula One entry is because they've decided they don't need that bullshit and come, I'm going to come do some good racing. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, there's also 11 LMP2s that have been entered for the fall season next year. Uh, again, won't, won't mention all of those, but the uh, information is out there if you need it. GTD Pro, there's going to be 10 entries for the fall season for them. Um, the Endurance Cup races will have 13, which will be a record for the GTD Pro class, uh, matching the record, rather, for the Rolex uh, in 2022. Um, and then in GTD, it's a 17-car field committed for the full 10-race GTD season with four additional at the Michelin Endurance Cup races. And no LMP3s. Ah. Uh. Lovely. I have waited for this moment. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I love that class. We, we, we've had car. this conversation before. I, the, the, you know, the, the car is great. The concept's great. You know, we need an entry-level prototype to get into it. But they just didn't quite fit with the top class of WeatherTech racing. Do you know what would be a great idea? Look, they're already running in VP. That's cool. The, the matchup between them and the GT4 and VP is awesome. Let's add them to the Michelin pilot. Totally Challenge. agree. Yep, I, I would like to yeah. see that. LMP3, totally GT4, and TCR on track uh, yeah. at the same time. I'm Fuck. 100% yes. that. I mean, thank you, LMP3, for adding cars to the yeah. field when it was needed, but your services are no longer required. Please go train your drivers in VP oh, racing. God. <laughs> And, wow. and whilst we didn't get driver lineups on the um, full entry list, we did get one driver lineup announced just prior to the Petit Le Mans weekend. Ford Performance named their IMSA GTD Pro lineup uh, for the Mustang that will be entering next year. Uh, they will have Joey Hand, um, Dirk Muller, and that's one car, with Harry Tinknell and Mike Rockenfeller in the other. That's a lineup. America. That's a lineup. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm really, really for it. This this is the ultimate de- development team. Like all four of those guys, any one of them, you could be like, oh yeah, our car's being developed by Mike Rockefeller, Joey Hand, whoever. But having all four of them, that's gonna eventually turn the car into a very f- formidable opponent for everyone else. So everyone else should be on watch. Yep. And if, if, if that's Multimatic running yeah. that car, right? Yeah, no slouches at mm-hmm. all. And, and as we mm-hmm. said with the Lexus, oh. you know, it's nice to see a non-traditional shape. And that sound, <laughs> more importantly. So, so I'm, for the sake of not sounding stupid, I'm just going to ask the question. I know I should know this. Manufacturers are not allowed to run cars in IMSA anymore, right? Yeah, you can't have works teams. So Okay. Who builds all of the four GT3 and GT4 cars? Ultimatic. Okay. But they aren't Ford. That's that it's the thinnest I, I, veil see, possible. I, <laughs> I don't know how they're not Ford. They're they're not I mean, Ford. They, they're, they do they're build other cars. Contractor. They do build other cars. So I guess they are not Ford. It's like Pratt and Middle Pratt, Pratt and Miller build the Corvette. Still yep. not technically, even though that. it basically is, you know, it's and, and you know, like we were just yeah. talking about the, the dominance of Hyundai and Michelin Pilot Challenge TCR. That's essentially a Hyundai factory team. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Brian Herta. I mean, 
Brian Hurt is the exclusive parts dealer for all of the Hyundai's exactly on the so, grid. <laughs> you know. But oh well, it's it's good. I'm looking forward to the Mustang. Anyway, that will do it for this part of the show. Um, join us in the second part where we will talk about an NASCAR race that happened. You can decide whether it was good or not. Uh, whilst we also have another quick rundown of some other Formula One news and a little bit of IndyCar news. So join us shortly after this. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. This is the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Go into the weekend with the End of the Apex podcast, reliably producing sim racing and iRacing banter for over three years. Tyler, Bradley, Patrick, and Rob come together each week to hang out, and everyone's invited. Coming out of the Motorsport Weekend, there's the End of the Paddock podcast, where Jordan, Greg, and John will dig deep into all the real motorsport happenings from pretty much every series out there. There are no cold takes on ITP. It's all on the End of the Apex Motorsport podcast network. We're here for you every week, and we're bringing the provocative motorsport talk. Into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed presented by Spotify. Into the Apex After Dark, OnlyFans Into the Apex, Infowars Into the Apex. We're not too sure what it's called just yet, but we do know that it's edgy. It's provocative. It's everything we do here at the End of the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. To subscribe, go to endoftheapex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Network. So, uh, before we get on with talking about NASCAR from Vegas, uh, remember to follow us on all our social media channels. We are at Into the Paddock with the number two on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. That way, you can stay up to date with when our latest episodes go live. Um, also, be sure to check out our affiliated podcasts on the Into the Apex Podcast Network and subscribe to the Into the Apex YouTube channel to see video clips from our show and our sister shows. Uh, and if you're a fan of everything at the Into the Apex Podcast Network, you can sign up for 99 cents a month for premium access to the Into the Apex Podcast Network to access exclusive content through Spotify and Anchor. You can get all of that at intotheapex.com. Um, NASCAR in Vegas. Um, it's kind of been a theme we've said multiple times this year where bad tracks have been made good and good tracks have been made bad by the current next-gen package. I would say that in, pre- in, in prior years... Um, Vegas has been pretty good on the whole. It's 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 been pretty good. So that means that the race on uh, Sunday was absolute shit. Um, <laughs> stages one and two were dominated by Kyle Larson, as was stage three. Um, I feel like a lot of people have been have been kind of made to think that the race was better than it was because of the final five laps, where all of a sudden Kyle slowed for some reason, or Christopher Bell just got a rocket up his ass. 
um, and, and really gained on him <laughs> in the last couple laps. And, and, and I honestly feel if it weren't for the back marker that was low out of turn four, I honestly feel like Bell probably would have got him. Um, I'm still trying to just envision Christopher Bell with a rocket up his ass <laughs> careening down the front straight. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> 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 he already races midgets, so you know, just get a flame sprite out the back of his oh midget, and there you go. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, yeah, I think without that, um, without that back marker, maybe Larson wouldn't have won that race, and it would have been a bit of an upset. But even if he had got him, it was just a pretty dull race. There's not really much else I can think of to say about the actual content of the race. We we had a couple of tire failures. Um, I, I think I I I I, I, I can't remember the stat entirely, but like there's been three hundred and something uh, tire t- uh, tires fall off in nascar history and i think like what what was it 51 of them have happened since the next gen became a thing so there there is a bit of a problem there like to say the least it's really hard to figure out one look now right (laughs) this one was this one was kind of weird though wasn't it oh yeah the center cap was still on the car and looking at it it looked like it was just the outside half of the rim did the inside half stay on the car? Did it go somewhere else? Like, that also flew off, I think. And like we've seen this before. Like it was odd for Ty Gibbs, which is the one yes, talking I was about. To remember who it was. You know, the right front. Yeah, the right front of his car came off, and like the whole hub just separated, and the whole wheel and tire carcass came off the car. We've seen that before at other races. I think Texas, we saw that with the right rears, and people were complaining about the right rears for this race. But on the right front, that's definitely a very odd circumstance in in this race but you know maybe they'll change something with the technical technical directives going to the next season to try to stop these tires from flying off the cars because it's just a safety hazard <laughs> um but i've never seen any other series struggle with center lock wheels then again nascar does do more pit stops than other series do so yeah it's um i'm trying to think of other other big things that happened during this race there's not much really mm, well there, there something happened in the infield i think that's probably yes more no yeah we, I, I was gonna kind of what actually happened. i was gonna save this for a couple of minutes in but now i'm thinking about it there's really nothing else to talk about so let's let's it, yeah there was a race there <laughs> kyle larson won christopher bell yeah. almost did but there were yeah. two other really big winners what else in the do infield? we associate with vegas other than than you know gambling elvis impersonators impersonators, uh, impersonators, and then very soon afterwards you get to weddings random weddings done by celebrities or celebrity lookalikes and and during a kevin harvick pit stop no less in the time it took them to do a pit stop um two fans uh were married in the in the infield uh wearing fire suits that looked like a suit and a wedding dress, and there, the ordained minister was the Bush guy. Bush, like your favorite uh, outdoor recreation uh, advice hmm? giver. Your favorite brand of baked beans. Oh, for God's sake! Just the, the other Bush. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was a dog though, giving like officiating <laughs> a wedding? That a wedding? would make that would have made it better. Yeah. 
I would have enjoyed <laughs> like like Anheuser Busch has not shied away from being cringe with Kevin Harvick's sponsorship. Like remember when they did the different generations? Oh, you guys come up with the livery of the car, and they just looked all tacky and crappy. This was a really cringe thing for me to watch during the race. You know, I. I thought it was just a normal thing to happen for NASCAR. It's not outside of their purview. I'm, like, right? I'm not like, judging happy for the couple. Hope they have a long marriage together. But like, I was, I, I couldn't help but laugh and have secondhand embarrassment before. I mean, uh, uh, to your point, Greg, the fact is that that. They they showed this on the broadcast. Oh, they didn't show the actual service, but they said, "Oh, look at these people. They just got married on the infield." Like, and I, my reaction was, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah. that's NASCAR. Okay. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah, I yeah no, it's not it's not unusual for something like this to happen at a NASCAR. I'm just glad race. Rutledge Wood wasn't there being the officiator. You know, he'd have been all over. I bet. <laughs> I bet if I bet if we were to count how many babies were conceived oh, at NASCAR God. races, it would be much higher than. Well, weddings. at least we don't see that. So this and hopefully is that not, doesn't take yeah. the length of There's the reason pit stop. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason they didn't do this at Talladega. Yeah, that, there is, however, a very unique possibility for someone to do something really funny because. It's not long now until F1 is in Vegas. And those pit stops are an awful lot quicker. So I'm just saying, if someone out there wanted to steal this couple's record for the fastest wedding in Vegas, there's your opportunity. It's it's out there. Yep. Do you and you? Yep. Done. Yep. All yep. right. Done. Uh, and, and hell, if you give it to a Ferrari pit stop, you've got like double the time to do it in. So, <laughs> you know, now you and JD are married, I think now. <laughs> Because I did that. Are you an ordained minister? I did not consent. No. Please say um, no. D- New Life Church. New oh, Life Church, shit. baby. <laughs> I did not consent. Well, I'm not wearing a tie, so I don't think that, that means any. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, it, it comes to something when we've spent more time talking about this wedding than we have talking about the race. Um, it just wasn't wasn't that good. Um uh, Kyle Larson ended up winning and dominating all three sta- stages. He's now the first driver to lock himself into the championship four race at Phoenix. Traditionally, you know, the first person to lock themselves in then has the next few weeks to solely focus on Phoenix. So it's quite the advantage for him. Um, however, it's NASCAR. So, you know, it's basically going to be whoever is chosen to win on fi- on the day Phoenix will probably end up winning. Um and obviously, you can't count out the the other people at this point. Yeah. Um. At the, at, after Vegas, the four that are currently in are Larson with Byron, Hamlin, and Truex in on points. There's only, you know, Hamlin's only four points above the cut line. Truex is only three, and then you've got Bell, who's three below. So it's still very, very uh, a, a hot race for those positions. Tyler Reddick's fifteen below. But he traditionally goes pretty well at Homestead. Um, so you can't put him out. Chris Busher, you know, whilst RFK racing have been kind of out of things, Kozlowski this weekend was probably the third fastest car, I would say, behind Bell. And at times was the second and first fastest car. You know, they 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 need to swap those cars around and then Busher's got a really good chance as well. Um, and then you've got Ryan Blaney. 
Now, <laughs> Ryan Blaney <laughs> has had a dramatic last few hours, or last 24 hours, I should say. So uh, originally, um, he had finished in, and I'm trying to find the position, uh, sixth. Seventh? Um, he ah. crossed the line sixth and was then disqualified post-race due to a left front shock length. It didn't meet the specified length. However, literally during the break between the first half of the show and the second half of the show, uh, NASCAR have announced that they have rescinded the penalty and reinstated Blaney's sixth place finish and his stage points um, because they found that the template they used to measure the shocks was uh, was faulty. Uh, <laughs> it, it broken. It, it was broken. It sounds. What if it was like a smoky eunuch oh type God. situation where he like got in there and switched out the templates? Nope, that's the right one. <laughs> I'd have I'd have full that's the respect. One you use right there. <laughs> oh man, I hope that's what happened. I, I don't think so, but I did. I we hope see so. the captain's chair on pit road this week. <laughs> <laughs> Good heavens! So so whilst at the moment the standings that I have in front of me show Blaney fifty six points below the cut line. This was prior to his penalty being rescinded. I'm actually just going to see if, if they've updated it. Yeah, now he's 10 points below. So he's right back in. Well, I say he's right back in it. He's still eighth out of the eight people. But he he won. he's won races this year. He's, at any point, he could hit a hot streak. You never know. Um, so it's it's still all to play for, is what I'm saying. You know, even, even Truex in second right now, he's only 15 above. If he has a bad race, he's right to the bottom again. So that there's still there's still a lot of drama to come. I think Homestead's going to be the one race that we really have a chance of seeing some drama because Martinsville, particularly the last few years, has been a little bit shit. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But um, that, that's kind of all I've got to say. <laughs> I, I need Busher to do well for my uh, same, final same. four picks and championship pick. I love it, Blaney's getting some good luck, but uh, I, I really need Busher. I'm again putting all my chips on Christopher Bell. I I think he's got what it takes to win his first championship. It needs to happen. Yeah, he definitely has the potential. But I, again, I don't know how this next gen will run at Homestead because Homestead has been one of the few really good races the past few years, and the next gen I don't remember how they raced in it last year. But I'm scared it might be another Vegas situation where it's just kind of meh, and we know Martinsville is going to be a, a cluster and a half. So that's not going to be a good race. So I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Is it is it because I'm just now getting back into NASCAR after like a decade-long sabbatical? Or are these last few races just kind of... I, I like Homestead. Yes, Ho- Homestead, for me, is, is one of the only races in this last round that I actually regularly enjoy. Again, whether the, whether the next Agreed. game changes that, we don't know. But um, it's it just... For me, it kind of every NASCAR year ends like this year's IMSA season because we go to Phoenix. It's it's such a an anticlimactic now, racetrack to have the championship race at. To to be fair to this week's race in Las Vegas, it's even though this race is was meh and boring, it was still infinitely better than any race at Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, but I mean. It's not, three it's races not a high to ball. go. <laughs> <laughs> three three races to go, and I, I'm just I'm hoping for a little bit more excitement. There's not a whole lot of racing no. left this no. season, you know, just kind of across the board. So 
Uh, I I need now that now that Imps is over, I really don't have anything to look forward to. What, what you don't you're not looking forward <laughs> to the Vegas Grand Prix? No, neither am I. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm honestly, honestly, no, I, I'm, I'm actually kind I'm, of excited I'm, about it. I think it's yeah, going to look yeah. amazing yeah. on TV. I think the imagery is going to be awesome. Whether or not the race is going to be good or shit is it's probably going to be shit. But I think as far as like the media the and the, be pretty the cool. way things yeah. are going to be. And yeah, I, I think the it's main thing awesome. I'm looking forward to about it is just the, the bullshit that's going to happen off track. Like they they announced 100%. the schedule a couple of days ago, and they're they're doing like an opening ceremony on the Wednesday prior to the Grand Prix. Lord knows what the fuck that means, but I'm fucking yeah, here for that? it. It's gonna be so cringy, but because it isn't my country, I don't care. <laughs> Watch them try to dress up the drivers as oh, showgirls, kind of like how Miami dressed them oh, all as football be players. I'm I'm ready for. 360 degree scans of their heads to go on the sphere that is a horrifying thought they definitely need to do that yes <laughs> i want that to have just a rotating max for staff and oh, face taking up the entirety of the sphere jesus christ it's a good job david coulthard doesn't race anymore because the sphere would just be his neck yeah they should definitely <laughs> get helmet marco's head on no <laughs> that's like a no that's, that's like a, a post re- uh, a, an, an alternate reality where somehow helmet marco led a certain type of dictatorship not naming any particular one um but is is it isn't he leaving no, well he well he doesn't work i'm not gonna be in so don't <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> whilst before shit yes he does anyway um, all right sorry Riley sorry, sorry won the Xfinity race that was also there <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all gone <laughs> it's all gone um yeah there was an nascar Xfinity race there it was I, I would say it was a lot better but it was actually won by 14.9 seconds um which were uh, but it was riley hope's first win and it was at home which was cool there was this cool story where he yeah, was one of the job, people bud. painting the finish line um uh, uh yeah the purple the purple um, or pink um, or whatever. yeah he ended up crossing it first so that's cool um and yeah i think he's got the the highest margin of victory for a rook uh, a rookie winner since i think what was it mike mclaughlin in in the 90s it, it's it's been a while or two, early 2000s i think it was so uh, go him i suppose <laughs> been a long time i i don't think i was watching uh xfinity oh sorry yeah it was because it, it was in 1995 because i remember telling asking you whether you knew because you're old and you said you didn't know so f you uh, i'm put f you <laughs> you you keep making comments about him being old i'm older yeah, but than like, both it's like i can't like you're at the point where i can't make fun of you because it's it's too mean because you're so old whereas jd it's JD, it, he's at, still at that age where I can like, haha, you're closer to death than I am, you know. It's and it's not bad. I'm like a year <laughs> older than him. <laughs> yeah, there's the line. Respect your there's elders. The line. There's the line. It's all for Watkins Glen. Anyway, so young people have uh, no respect. Uh, so yeah, after that race, um, John Hanno Nemechek, is, uh, Justin Allgaier, Austin Hill, and Cole Custer are above the cut line for the playoffs, with Chandler Smith, uh, Sam Mayer, Sammy Smith, and Sheldon Creed just below. Um, I'm assuming their next two races are this coming uh, Homestead and then Martinsville as well. Yeah, and then their their championship obviously is decided at Phoenix. So 
we'll see how that goes. Uh, Shell Guilt Creed not returning to RCR. Yeah, I know. What is it with teams announcing their drivers uh, like are leaving before their playoff campaigns are finished? Like that doesn't seem like a great strategy. But I don't yeah, say. Um, some other little bits of NASCAR news before we get on to some other unrelated stuff. Um, Carson Hosevar, it was announced um, prior to the Vegas weekend, will move straight up to the Cup Series in 2024 after signing a multi-year deal with Spire Motorsports. Um, he will be replacing Ty Dillon, who has been extraordinarily mid for the last couple of years. And at the, at the same time, it was announced that Ty Dillon will be um, moving to Richard Childress racing in Xfinity. I wonder why. Still more talented than his brother. I mean, yeah, that's not a high bar. Um, but no, good for Carson. Um, I, we did wonder, you know, with how well he's acclimatized himself into the substitution role at um, Legacy Motor Club, we wondered whether he might just skip Xfinity altogether and go straight up. And that's what's happening. So we'll see how it goes. There's been a number of people in the past who have made that similar jump and then it's not quite worked out and they've gone back down. John Hunter Nemechek is a good example of that. You know, he came, he came to cup quite a few years ago and then fell back down again and is now in the Xfinity series and now moving back up to cup next year. So we'll see how it goes for Carson, but he's, he's driven really, really well this year. So I, I can't fault the decision to put him up. Um, I, 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 there's, I would put Carson into the Cup Series ahead of a lot of the Xfinity drivers that are on the grid, to be honest, at the moment. So, fair play to him. Um, yeah, and we've seen the truck drivers. The, the truck drives very similar yeah, to the Cup car, so more it kind so. of makes sense if he's adapted so yeah, quickly. More Why so not? than the Xfinity car. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, hilariously, um, Carson tweeted this, which is great. So he said it was announced I've got like 76 NASCAR races coming up full time, but it was also just announced that I've lost one because it was announced a couple of hours ago that he's not going to be racing this weekend for Legacy Motor Club at Homestead because Toyota and Chevrolet have come to an agreement to let John Hunter race for Legacy in the 42 this week in preparation for him moving into that car next year when it becomes a Toyota. So that's a pretty cool deal between the two but yeah it's it's quite funny that carson got a full-time deal but then announced he's lost one race so <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like to see that level of cross manufacturer um collaboration sometimes it's a similar thing with you know graham ray hall uh racing a chevrolet instead of a honda at the indy 500 just you know coming together to give somebody a, a, a good opportunity that works well for all parties so that's cool um that just about does it for NASCAR. Um, it would be remiss of me not to mention, considering we're talking about a race in Las Vegas, uh, not to uh, briefly mention the fact that t- today, as we're recording, yesterday or, or the day of this show going out, marks 12 years since we lost Dan Weldon in Vegas in the IndyCar race in 2011. Firstly, shit, that was 12 years ago? Yeah, I was just thinking that. that was already. Oh, that's, that's mad. That, that's completely mad yeah. but um yeah um dan f- for for me it's it's a weird one because i'd only just started getting into american motorsport at this point um you know i'd only started watching motorsport full time really in 2010 and that was only formula one and then the first indycar race i ever sat down to watch consciously was vegas 2011 on the back of hearing about this British driver who had won that year's Indy 500. 
So this one always is a, a, like a bit more of a a, a moment of remembering because like fucking I, I, I just remember I, I that's one of the first times with motorsport where I've had a memory where I completely remember exactly where I was and what I was thinking at the time it happened and the fact that it was 12 years ago I, I, I don't like this <laughs> but um what a guy like you know ev, ev, we always say with any racing driver that loses that loses their life racing that it, it's always tragic and it, it, it's it's horrible to lose someone so soon um and and with dan it's no different you know multiple indianapolis 500 winner you know what else could he have done um given the opportunity and and you know uh, the the main thing to think about with his legacy is you know obviously the dw12 you know he led the development on the car that made indycar racing a lot safer in that immediate aftermath so yeah couldn't couldn't talk about with with it matching up so well with a race in vegas and the and the, the anniversary i couldn't not mention that have you watched the documentary yet? Yes. The Lionheart that came out yeah. this year? I still, I still haven't watched you it. Should. Maybe I'll watch it. Uh, I, won't, I won't be able to tonight, but maybe I should, I'll watch it tomorrow. Yeah, worth a watch uh, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Um, um, there, there's another on this Yeah, day. go for it. Also, not to like no, 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 lighten no. the mood, <laughs> but uh, on this day uh, in 1949, uh, Red Byron crowned NASCAR's first ever champion. Oh. So, uh, not as not as but still, poignant, it's an, it's but an still relevant in, in motorsport history yeah. for sure. Le, fucking forty nine. So, was that seventy four years ago? Uh, math seven. seven <laughs> right? Yeah, those darn bootleggers. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Anyway, we're we're in our final seven-ish minutes. We'll just run through another couple of stories from elsewhere in the motorsport world. Um, before we get into the quick fire section, I want to pause on this first one because this follows. This is Formula One. This is following the Qatar Grand Prix, and you may remember that when Lewis Hamilton um, crashed into Latte Boy on lap one um, and took himself out of the race, um, Lewis uh, then crossed the racetrack. And um, ended up receiving a non-driving reprimand and a fifty thousand uh, euro fine, of which half was suspended until the end of the season. Um, completely agree with the penalty. That shouldn't happen. You shouldn't be walking across a live racetrack. That like it doesn't matter if there are no cars coming. You just don't do it. However, the FIA have announced that they are revisiting the penalty from Qatar. Um, their spokesperson said the FIA is revisiting the incident uh, in which Lewis Hamilton crossed the live racetrack. The FIA notes that Lewis was apologetic during the subsequent stewards hearing um, and acknowledged that crossing a crossing a, was a serious safety breach. However, in view of his role model status, the FIA is concerned about the impression his actions may have created on younger drivers. Ah. <sighs> Double yeah. standard but, AF. But I mean, before we get into it, Racer Magazine does state that the intention of the investigation is to identify whether the future uh, infringe, infringements that are similar could be penalized with harsher penalties. It does, it, but they um, also say it doesn't mean that they but, might not get any further punishment. I can't imagine they will. Yeah, but equally, it's the FIA, yeah. so you never know. <laughs> but them, them purely because it's lewis hamilton i mean that's like 
blatantly being double I mean, standard. For, for a start, like it, 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 it violates but, two things for me. Because you've got the FIA who have said time and time again in recent history that they will not go back and look at decisions they've already made. We think back to Singapore qualifying where they said after the fact that Verstappen should have got a blocking penalty, but then decided not to give him one because time had passed since. We think back to, I don't want to bring it up, but Abu Dhabi 2021, where they announced a couple of months later that they had they had fucked up and that had led to the outcome that happened, but they weren't going to do anything about it because time had passed. And yet now they look like they're going back to look at infringements of the rules after an event has taken place. You know, there's no consistency there. Um, you know, I, I, I exactly. Yeah. We've literally named an episode that and I'm sure that was about formula one, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not one of those people that is still hung up on Abu Dhabi 2021. I'm not even particularly a Lewis Hamilton fan. Um, everyone sane knows that the FIA fucked up and knows it won't, won't be changed now. But when Formula One continues to prioritize the wrong things and ignore all of the real problems, of which there are many in Formula One, you can't be surprised when people bring it up. You know, why is this different from any other instant? And more importantly, if the FIA cared about role models and setting a precedent for other series because they have this high and mighty opinion of themselves where they feel they have to set the example for everyone else, where was Max's punishment for walking on the track in Monza 2021? Where was Logan Sargent's punishment for walking across the track at Suzuka literally last month? No, this month. Um, where was Max's punishment for calling Stroll several slurs in Portugal in 2020 over the radio? or for shoving Esteban Ocon in the pits in Brazil 2018. I don't want to just single out Max Verstappen. Again, I'm not particularly a Max Verstappen hater. It's just weird how he keeps being the one that comes up with all of these things and how Lewis is always the yeah. one that tends to be the one that's 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 met with this kind of thing. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I have two opposite feelings about the situation. One, I, I don't understand them singling out Lewis Hamilton, particularly for, for quote, being a role yeah. model. That's why we're looking at it again, right? I, I don't think kids are going to see this happen and go go-karting and then think, oh, Lewis walked across a live track. No. I'm going to go do it. I can't say they're not going to do that, but I don't think that that's particularly what is going to be the outcome of that situation. B, I also don't think that they're going to be penalizing him any further. I think it is a good idea to go back and maybe review some of their things and say, Hey, is this how we want to handle it in the future? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I think that might be, yeah, a good I think, idea. I think it is, but we've also seen. So, so yeah, to your credit, I, I don't think necessarily they're going to give him any further penalty. Um, I think, I think the manner of which they've gone about announcing this isn't the best considering yeah it's, yeah, it's exactly it's the optics everyone's going to assume this is it again when you when you look at how many times this season the fia has said something to the along the lines of we should look and how, uh, how we can do this better in future there's a lot of a lot of that you know maybe it, i i've said this for a while the entire rules within formula one need completely rewriting they're not fit for purpose anymore like it, it feels like there's loopholes after loopholes and the FIA is constantly apologizing for itself. It comes to a point where you've got to stop yeah. apologizing and just fucking improve. Um, 
So, yeah. Speaking of apologies in Formula One, um, it was also announced as we enter our quick rundown uh, of of, uh, news before the end of this episode. Following on from Lance Stroll's actions at the Qatar Grand Prix, it was announced that he has apologized after the FIA officially warned him due to his uh, actions that led to physical harassment. He was investigated by the FIA compliance officer when he opened discussions with Stroll regarding his conduct um, and said that there were several incidents that contravened the FIA rules. What I like here is that they said that the FIA has zero tolerance and condemns any actions that lead to physical harassment while simultaneously giving Lance Stroll exactly one tolerance by not giving him a punishment for doing it. <laughs> like, have some fucking conviction for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, not that doesn't FIA and conviction or consistency or really anything. Uh, I can think of one word that starts with a C that they have a lot of. Um, but yeah, I just I don't like. How can you have zero tolerance I don't, for something and then give them tolerance? Like <laughs> exactly one tolerance. Yeah, I don't. You get one murder, okay? But uh, after that, you're not allowed any more murder. Yeah. <laughs> But but I think this is part of the reason why we love to hate on F1 so much. And it's not particularly Formula One's mm. fault. I think a lot of the blame has to fall yep. on the FIA, which, newsflash, doesn't just govern F1. They govern all of racing in Europe. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's there's very few things that it it doesn't touch. So, I... Yeah, I just I don't even even looking at the for, I, Formula it, Regional European Championship that happened at Zandvoort this weekend, you know, we we ended up having a um questionable decisions made under a safety car period which led to a massive collision uh, well into a safety car period, you know. FIA series. <laughs> uh I could talk about this all yeah. the time. But to to rapid fire the end of this. Um we did have some positive Formula One news. Spa has announced a one-year contract extension to remain on the Formula One calendar. That's cool. I mean, why a historic venue like Belgium is only getting a one-year contract extension when Qatar got a 10-year deal, I'm not sure. Well, we all know why. Um, <laughs> Money. So, you know, I say it was a positive, but I've immediately turned it into a negative, but that's just Formula One. And to briefly end the show, we have some IndyCar news as uh, there were IndyCars on the Indianapolis Oval and it isn't May. Uh, it still seems like a, a massive, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, not travesty, but um, yeah, it just doesn't seem opposite? right. But still, this was for rookie orientation to oh. get it out of the way now before we get round to May. So uh, Marcus Armstrong, Linus Lundqvist, and Tom Blomqvist all passed their Indy 500 rookie orientation on October 11th. Yeah, there's too many vists next year. It's going to be a nightmare. And then the following day, a certain Kyle Larson had his first laps in an Indy car and uh, managed to pass his rookie orientation program as well. So it was a good week for Kyle Larson, you know, driving an Indy car for the first time, passing your rookie orientation, and then dominating Vegas to get through to the championship four. If if nothing else can be taken away from this episode of the Into the Paddock podcast, it can be that last week was fun if your name was Kyle Larson. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if he hopped on a plane to fly to Charlotte just to see how that was going to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
But I, I don't know. He was probably too busy this he week. He jet sets all the time anyway with his mm. dirt car program. Yeah, they literally so. had to run him the day after everyone else because he was busy racing somewhere else. Like, it's just, what a life. <laughs> wow. Life is fun. All of life is fun right now. Well, not all of life. There was a period there. But if your name is Kyle Larson, you're having a good time right, right now. now. Currently. <laughs> but that so. will do it for this week's episode of the Into the Paddock <laughs> podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, be sure to follow us on all our social media profiles. We are at Into the Paddock on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. Uh, you can also follow us on our own individual uh, social media channels. I'm at jgroves1996 on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. Greg, you are at? Uh, Speed Rat Racing Everywhere. Come check me out, especially tomorrow on Twitch. At My Twitch goes on at 6.30 uh, p.m. Central Time, if you're in the United States. Uh, and then the broadcast for Operation Motorsports Season 7 Round 3 at uh, ctmp is going to be starting the broadcast on youtube goes at uh 7 p.m if you are in the united states uh and that is again central time come hang out yeah come join the join the live stream both of them at the same time uh be annoying in the uh chat we love that shit so uh yeah and speaking me. of someone who plagues live stream chats uh jd where can we find you out on social media <laughs> Uh, you find me on YouTube at JD55 Sim Racing and also on Twitter at Pedantic Squirrel with one R. There you go. That will do it. Uh, Nick. I, I, I did say tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central, but I, I get that tomorrow will be today while you're listening. So I'll just say <laughs> Tuesdays. Tuesdays. At 7 p.m. Central is our record. Good heavens. <laughs> Time is a construct. Sorry. Um, next week, we will have F1 from the Circuit of the Americas, uh, Greg's Neighborhood. Um, it's a sprint race weekend as well, so we get double the opportunity to complain about Formula One. Hooray. Um, we'll also have Yay. NASCAR at Homestead, and I'm sure some other motorsport news. We'll find out. Um, thank you for listening. JD's off to go and harass people in a live chat. Greg's off to eat some chili, and I'm off to try and not be chili. I hope that makes sense. Join us next time. Thank you all for listening. Take care and goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.